as I started to say, there are sermons that are born out of weeks and weeks and months and months of a tremendous amount of study and a tremendous amount of research. And sometimes it takes a year to produce a complete copy of something that God would lay on your heart. And then there are those that come like dynamo from heaven, like the heavens open and God says something to you. And you know that, hey, that is the building block. Go with it, run with it. And that happened to me yesterday morning. And uh, the only thing, the words I heard right here in my heart were these words, work on your foundation. And I thought to myself, wow, work on your foundation. I thought to myself, it's interesting because uh, a whole building is held up by the foundation. And I start to think of what Debbie Menken Gill taught us. She taught us about the foundation. She taught us about the capstone. She taught us about the cornerstone. And what other stone? Keystone. Keystone. Thank you. See, these people are wise. They're awake. Well, she, she keyed in on that in such a majestic way. And I thought to myself, wow, would I, would I remember? And I, the Lord is kind of telling me, listen, that's Debbie, and you're not Debbie. So you listen to me. Work on the foundation. You see, in our Christianity today, we spend a lot of time on finding out what we can do and what we can't do. We spend a lot of time telling people how we are. And uh, being evangelical is this way, and being full gospel is this way, uh, and being hallelujah is this way, uh, and being Methodista is this way, uh, and being Presbyterian is this way. Uh, and uh, we can tell everybody what our platform is conforming uh, to wherever we go to worship and whatever we like best of the place we worship at. But you know, I found out yesterday, almost through an echo divine, that it has nothing to do with where you go worship. It has to do with what is your foundation. That's what it has to do. Or better said, do you have a foundation? If you're leaning on us, if you're here because you like crossroads, if you're here because we've sparked something nice in you, if you're here because we're kind of entertaining, we're kind of, hey, laid back down to earth, earthy, whatever you want to call us. If that's what you like, as an attraction, I will accept it. But as a foundation, it's not any good. It's not any good. Why? Because it's not a foundation. Liking, not liking, cute, hip, cool, that's not foundation. Foundation is the great truth upon which our lives have to stand. So that when everything else is removed, we're still standing. So that when everything else is shook up, we're still standing. So that when everything hits hard, and let me tell you something. In Christian living, when it rains, it pours. Isn't it the truth? You're not only given one golpe, one shot, but it seems like a million others are coming at you. Well, it's important to know, where's your foundation? Where is your foundation? Jesus made it so clear. There's no one that talks clearer than Jesus. Why? Because he came from heaven to earth to let us know the demands of the Father. In other words, how do you reach God? How do we reach God? 
Well, let me tell you something. God sent his son and he dressed him with flesh. And he lived on earth just as you and I live on earth. You say, oh, but he was God. Let me tell you, he redeemed us as the son of man, not as the son of God. And you, got to, you see, you people say, well, what's the difference? I don't really know the difference. Well, that's our foundation, that God sent his son, made of man, for our redemption. That's a foundation stone. And that as the son of man, he did redeem us. Now, he proved this in his walk. He gave to us nothing new. You know, I am so thrilled. I'm in, the, I'm in the Old Testament. I've been there for about a year and a half now. I try to finish the Bible in one year. I have to tell you, your pastor's a little retarded. And if not retarded, just a little slow. I'm always telling somebody, try it. You'll love it. 365-day Bible. You'll make it. I haven't made it yet. But I am keep trying. So my, my, my 365 days take 600 and, uh, or, you know, 700 some odd days. But that's okay. Just do it. Because that's the important thing. Just do it. In the book of Matthew, Jesus opens up, first of all, with his time of temptation. Which is the most difficult time in every human life. Chapter 4 is temptation. It's Jesus in the wilderness. And it's Jesus in the wilderness. He's being tempted. Uh, turn stone into bread. Why? Because he's starved. As the Son of God, he can do it. As the Son of Man, he doesn't have to do it. And he answers and he says, it is written. What is written? It's the Word of God. That's our foundation. And what is the answer? That man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And this is important. This is important. Jesus beat Satan in every area of battle with only one thing, the Word of God. The Word of God. And it's interesting, when God sends his angels in the book of Daniel down uh, to minister, uh, he's, very, he's very interested in telling the angels, don't curse anyone on your way down. Well, who, who would he find on his way down? Demons. Demons that fill the airwaves. I'm not making this up. This is in the Bible. And people now that have gotten to see a world that is changing right before their own eyes and people being possessed in such a horrendous way. And especially a world of children being swept away by a tide that we don't know where it came from. We don't know where it started. Where? I don't know. I don't know. When did eight and nine-year-olds want guns to go to school with? When did they come in with little, not little, big knives in their shoes and in their boots? When? When? God told the angels, as you go down, don't curse. Just put them aside in the name of the Lord. That's interesting. You see, the devil would want you to fight. He'd want you to get weary. He'd want you to spend all night saying, I rebuke you, I rebuke you, Satan. I rebuke you, you're a liar, you're a liar, you're a liar. Now, in the name of Jesus, I'll have peace. In the name of Jesus, I'll be more than conqueror. 
in the name of Jesus I move ahead. In the name of Jesus I am victor. In the name of Jesus I will triumph. I am more than conqueror. That is the foundation. That's the foundation. You see, I said before that you can become enamored with us, but at two o'clock in the morning, you won't have us there. I don't care if you pay, play our tapes all night long, you still won't have us there. You won't. You'll have a sweet memory. You'll have maybe a visual aid of people singing, but that's not what you need at two o'clock in the morning. You need that your feet be fortified on a foundation. That there's solid rock under your feet. That although your head is wobbling, and although your heart is hurting, and although your nerves are giving you a physical workout, you're still standing on the rock. And then we can say like Job, God gave and God took away, and blessed be the name of God. Yet it's the same man that says, I cursed the day I was born. I cursed the breast that I sucked. I cursed it. Why? Because our humanity is exactly that, our humanity. Our humanity. And this is what, you know, that, that, that's why we're so into feeling. That's why we're so into uh, being pepped up. That's why we're so into somebody entertaining us. We love it. Oh, we love it. Make me happy. It's not a matter of make me happy. It's a matter of having joy that's deeper than an ocean because the joy of the Lord in the storm and in the trouble and in everything we go through, it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. And remember that that joy is not happy time or happy hour. That joy is something in here that says, God's gonna come through for me. I don't know when. God's coming through. I don't know how, but God's coming through. When you've got all the mouth power to blow somebody away and you don't use it because God's coming through to fight for you. That's hard, folks. That's hard. Especially when we're so used to lashing out. Especially if we have, like my mother-in-law used to say, picos de oro. You know, just beaks of gold that can serve as machine guns and can serve also as, hey, uh, romance. But God help us. Jesus taught us that the enemy would be defeated by the word of the Lord. That's our foundation. You see, that's why here at Crossroads, we've come to the conclusion that we're not religious. We pray God that we become spiritual. But religious, who needs it? Really? Do I want to be Protestant? No, I fall into the category, but I don't. It, it, it's not my fancy. Do I want to be Catholic? No. Would I like to be high church, Presbyterian, Methodist, Lutheran? No, not really. Not really. I want to belong to God. And I want to be united to him the only way he gave us unity with him and that's through the son and that's my foundation that's my foundation that god drew me close to him that god embraced me he embraced you through the son 
We came through the sun. We heard him say, come unto me and I will give you rest. Come unto me and I will bear your burdens. Come unto me. Why? Because only he can carry your burdens. You see, there's no one that knows our limitations like he does. We don't even know it. How many times have you said, I can handle this. Halfway down the road, you're just about wiped out. And you're embarrassed to turn back and tell somebody, I can't take it. I can't take it. But he knows. And I love him for that. We must work on our foundation. The devil said to Jesus, and I, I, this is the temptation that I suppose most fascinates me. And it fascinates the religious world of today because we're doing it every single day. Get up on the top of the temple. Go up to the pinnacle. You know the point? Get up there. And then in one moment when there's a multitude, 2,000, 3,000, 10,000, 15,000, 20,000, whoa! Open your arms and throw yourself down. What a show. Better than Barnum and Bailey. Better than any orchestra. Better than anything you have ever seen. And Jesus said, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. And that's it. Don't tempt him. Don't tempt him. You say, me I don't fully understand that. What do you mean tempt God? Well, don't ask God to let you do what's not written. Don't, 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 don't think that for some strange reason we're marked to be celebrities. Woo! We're not. We're not. I remember the gentleman on... The one that comes after the seven o'clock, no, after the, the show on Channel 7, or a couple, let me, like, his name has come. Wow, yeah, Ted, yeah, oh, I got it. Don't help me, I got it, Koppel, Ted Koppel. I must be bettering my mind strings. But anyway, uh, Ted Koppel wrote a little article, and he wrote an article on America. I have it up in my office. If anybody wants to read it, I'll dig it out of some mothball cabinet. And, and it went something like this, this is America. And when it went on to bring out the things that fascinate us, the things that call our attention, the things we're really into, and in one of the things, uh, and you know it was about five years ago, was Vanna White. And I thought that was so interesting. Because Vanna White, King of Hesa. The, 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 oh, oh, that's right. That's the lady that goes like this. That's right. Thank you, Joe. He probably knows Vanna White, too. All right. Turn it, turn it, turn it, turn it. And Ted Koppel writes, he says, we wait. And 7 o'clock is key. 7.30, the news is gone. Here she comes. Oh, my God. America. America. Now, there's nothing wrong with Vanna White. I'm not knocking Vanna White. I'd like to have her job. <laughs> Bigger size, but who cares? Do you understand what I mean? I'm not, we're not, that's not what we're knocking. What we're knocking is where our attention is focused. What we're knocking is what we think is important. What we're knocking is to think that you're going to spend, uh, and, and you can spend it. Hey, God gives you so much leisure time. He never encroaches on that. But what I'm telling you is, that where, where is our mentality?
as far as what we like, as far as what we don't like. And then he went on to give just a page and a half dissertation on the Ten Commandments. And he says, you know, I wish people would pick that up. He says, I'm not very religious myself, but I happen to read the Ten Commandments. I happen to see that in that, those laws given to Moses on Mount Sinai, it em embraces everything that has to do with relation divine, with relation within, with relation to our human people. He says, maybe, maybe that's what we're lacking as a country. Maybe that's where we should search. Maybe that's where we have to get back to. I'm kind of thinking about that. Dot, 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 and the article is over. And I thought to myself, my dear Ted Koppel, when I meet you, I will talk about this article, and you'll probably never remember writing it. But that's okay. The greatest thing you've ever said in your entire life was said in this article. And I say to you, as the Lord said to me yesterday morning, work on your foundation. Work on your foundation. What is it you want? You know, sometimes we talk about our liberties. We talk about our priorities. Uh, we talk about the things we need. Uh, I remember going into my psychiatric, uh, what shall I say, pastoral counseling classes. Uh, and I've said this to you before, and I'll say it again. The first thing my professor announced was that he had just come through an amazing divorce, or he was going through it. And I thought to myself, what does this have to do with my class? I mean, what, what is this announcement? And he was saying, 10 years ago, I couldn't have done that, but because of what he studied and how well he is prepared now, and all the letters he has after his name, now he's got the freedom to do it. I, I didn't say one word. I just kept, I kept my mouth quiet, and I said, brother, You've opened the curtain to let me know just how dumb you are. Yeah, because I, if, if this is your greatest joy, yeah, he was there to set people free. He was there to tell us that you don't have to take any, whatever it is, from your partner. There is a way out. The divorce courts are the best way out. And no one was meant to suffer. No one, and I thought, I, I kept going book after book, Bible book after Bible book, Bible book after Bible book. And I thought to myself, oh, this man is going to wake up and find he needs 10 of them, 10 wives. Because if that's where he's seeking, and if that's where he's, he'll need 10 divorces. Because el que no tiene dinga, tiene mandinga. Whoever doesn't have one thing wrong with them has something else wrong with them. You know that. You may get the very romantic lady, and she gets so romantic, she romances you out. Bye-bye, birdie. <laughs> then you get another one, that she's just as cold, and she's just as, mmm, and you say, oh, good, this is a little relaxation. But all of a sudden, the frigidness covers you, and you feel like you're in an iceberg, and the lady keeps you shivering all the time because she really has nothing, and she's made this whole place so cold. Go ahead. Oh, I can, I can give you 10 different types that you could find. There's probably about 100 or two. But don't. Don't. My dear professor, he opened his door right to me, and I felt so sorry for him. That day I started praying for him. And he looked at me, and we had a good relationship. But I couldn't help but saying, don't set anybody free. Jesus sets people free. Don't tell anybody where their life is at. God will tell them that. Oh, folks, listen to me. Where is our foundation?
Jesus was told by Satan, I'm going to give you a shortcut. You don't have to go to Calvary. You came for a kingdom. You came to have people worship you. You came to set this place up. Always remember, folks, we judge everybody by the way we are. Do you steal? You think everybody's stealing. You lie? Everybody's a liar. Isn't it the truth? You're nervous? You think everybody's nervous. Yeah. There's just something in us that we relate to other people the same way we think that what's happening in us is happening in them. I have a lot of compassion for people because, I, okay, I run so scared and I think everybody's running scared. Yeah, you know, you think, what can I tell you? Satan says, I'm going to give you a shortcut to Calvary. You won't have to go there. You won't have to go there. I'll give you all the people you want. I'll give you all the kingdoms you want. I'll give you everything you want. All the palaces, all the power, I'll give it to you. You don't have to go to Calvary. And let me tell you something, folks. Calvary was the place that Jesus knew he had to go. It's the place that made him sweat blood, tears of sweat bloods. Sweat that turned into blood. With this physically proven it can if the tension is such. And Satan says to him, now if you bow down and worship me, you don't even have to go all the way down. Just, just go, you know, hey, just, matter of fact, hey, just tip your hat to me. That's all you have to do. I'll give you all the kingdoms. I'll give them to you. I'll give them to you. They're mine. When God set loose Satan, he gave them the universe. All the spheres of it. I'm in charge down here. This is all mine. So you don't have to go to Calvary. I'll give it to you. Listen, I'll just stand aside. You can have it. Don't you like... This is the bargain. You bow down and worship me. Just an inclination. And I'll give you the kingdoms. It is written, Thou shalt not bow down to any images or to anything on earth or anything graven. Nothing. Neither that looks like an animal or that looks like a bird or that is scratched off in wood. None of that. Thou shalt not bow down to that. For it is written, I am the Lord thy God. And he won't tolerate it. You see, idolatry is maybe the sin that maybe most bothers God. Because it's giving his place to someone else or to something else and God won't have it. And Jesus says, it is written, thou shalt not do that. Thou shalt not bow down before any graven images. Thou shalt not bow down to anyone. For the Lord God, he is God. And the scripture says from that on, that moment on, he just ran away from him. Because he realized he couldn't get him. As the son of man, his foundation was the word of God. As people that have believed, our foundation is the word of God. And that's why, folks, don't spend so, many, so much time in do's and don'ts. Let's spend a lot more time in talking about the necessary things. 
And what are the necessary things? So saith the word of God. Thus speaketh the Lord. You can't go with human feelings. You can't go with... And the longer you go with it, the farther you are out of the will of God. You're satisfying yourself. You're having a heyday. You're having a ball. You're trying it all out. You're free. That's not God's will. He says, come unto me. The only thing is we don't come. Because we've never followed through. We've never had a foundation that holds us to his word. Work on the foundation. That's God's order right now. Work on it. It's necessary. And while you call the shots, God can't. Did you hear me? And isn't it something he's a gentleman? You're calling the shots to your own detriment, and God doesn't interfere. Isn't that, isn't that, I, I, I don't know. You see, these are the things. Now, what are the basic truths about standing firm? What are the basic truths about our foundation? First of all, most of us don't know the Bible. That's why I advise anybody that leaves here today, and you don't have a Bible home, hey, buy one. Buy a Bible. Read it. And don't stop reading it. In it is God's truth. You say, well, I don't understand it. I mean, you know, there's a lot of, oh, listen, I'll give you a couple of, I'll give you a couple of lessons on how to begin. But get your Bible. It's the truth that holds God's word. And sometimes we don't get into the word simply because we don't live it. In other words, you know what's in it. But you don't want to live it, so you've got a problem. Sometimes we're guilt-ridden. In other words, we've put it aside because of some personal failures. Pastor Amy, I'm not, I'm not a Bible person. Well, you should be, because your whole life is going to depend on it. You know, when your kids are small, isn't it, isn't it marvelous? I, I like when they're small. When they're small, you put the cereal in front of them, okay? And you know how kids are. Mommy, yuck, I don't like this. That's why I thank God for cold cereals. You have four boxes, help yourself, choose whatever you want. I ain't out to fight with them with cream of wheat or, 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 or uh, avena or anything like that. Lo que quiera, lo que quiera. But isn't it amazing that sometimes they can burn you up and they say, Mama, why? And I love our answer, because I'm the mama. <laughs> te gusta o no te gusta? You like it or you don't like it? I'm the mama. And then they go, you know, their nostrils snore at you. Because you come to the, you know, you come to the, to the end. And sometimes I sit upstairs and some people come say, Pastor Amy, why? Honey, because God says so. And they still snore at me, just like my kids did. Well, well, what do you mean God says so? Yes, he says so, loud and clear in his word. Hey, folks, just a little picture. Who is God? He's creator. Who is God? He is Lord. Who is God? He's your shepherd. Lead you through the mountain path. Who is God? He is your refuge. Who is God? He is your stable guide who will never leave you, who will never forsake you. In your days of hunger, he's the bread of life. And in your days of thirst, he's the water of life. 
Guess what? He's everything you need. And because he's God, you got to let the truth come in. You know what Job says, and I love it. The fear of the Lord is wisdom. And departing from evil is understanding. If we'll only soak our lives into, be, into his word for the purpose of being faithful to him. Somebody asked me the other day, Pastor Amy, I'm very weak. How many are weak here? Oh, thank you. The you other are too. You're also weak, but you're too weak to put up your hand. Okay. We're all weak. There isn't anybody here that's not weak. Do you understand what I mean? But I'm going to give you the greatest force and the greatest strength for your weakness. And what is it? Love. Love. Oh, to love God. More than all of your weaknesses. To love God above and beyond. Just to love him. To love him. You see, Sister Amy, because so far away, I really don't know how to love him. I mean, what do you say? I love you. I love you. You don't say that to God. You don't send him a Valentine's card. No. You can if you want to. But somewhere in here, there's a yearning and there's a burning. Somewhere deep in here, there's a cry to be loved as you've never been loved. To be touched as you've never been touched. To be cared for within the within the privacy of your inner spirit where no one reaches in, where no one teaches and no one touches, save God alone. And it's a safe place to be because you see, he's the one that knows you love him. And you know you love him. That combination is a perfect combination. So I say to you this day, where is your foundation? Is Jesus Christ your foundation? Is God your foundation? You got to have a foundation. Foundation has nothing to do with emotions. It has to do with that which is tried and proven and solid. A man built his house on the sand and the winds came. The end of the Sermon on the Mount and the hurricanes blew and the storms broke from the seed of the earth. And when night was over and the storm was calm, the house was no more. For it was taken with the winds and the waves because it was built on sand, on your will, on my will, on your hopes and dreams, on my hopes and dreams. The house was built on your nonsense and my nonsense. The house was built on a wishy-washy God that we didn't think really interfered or intervened. And we kept him like a, like a rabbit's foot or, or, or like a, hey, a lotto card. That's it. That's building on the sand. And I'm not knocking anything. You know me past that. You know me. And better yet, you know God. The house was gone. Couldn't find its place. But the house that was built on the rock, the wind came and the storm came and the hurricane came. Everything came. 
and it beat on the house. And I've got to give you my own version. I was in a hurricane in the island of Puerto Rico, somewhere in the early 70s, when my husband's uh, uncle wouldn't leave his house and it was filled halfway with water and he was in a little rowboat going round. I was wondering when the rowboat and the roof would meet. But you see, he had his safe in the house. One of those 10-ton safes. So he wasn't exactly going to leave it. So there he was, rowing around. They sent us to higher ground. And on a fourth story, all the windows, you know, they call them jalousies over there. All those summer windows, all those Panama windows were closed tightly. Can I tell you something? The leaves came through like there were no windows. Can you imagine the force of the hurricane? The leaves just shwa, shwa, and with it rain. And we just sat there, almost paralyzed, with the thought, should it, should it blow a window in? No, it came right through, right through, like, like they weren't closed. Every little sliver brought in wind and waves and everything. And when it was over, it was safe. You see, sometimes in the storm of our lives, when you're in Jesus, the leaves come through <laughs> and the rain comes through. But guess what? When morning breaks, the house is still there. The house is still there. No one, no one, no one can take it away. So we're not the special people that walk on water. We're not the special people that touch clouds. We're not the special people that nothing happens to. No! Everything can happen to us. But when we know, and when we've worked on our foundation, we have nothing to fear. How's your foundation? Is it solid? Is it on the word? Is your foundation Jesus? So that you cannot be moved. Oh, you're weak, I know that, me too. And there's so many questions, and there's so many uncomfortable moments. But will it suffer the storm? Sure it will. Sure it will. Because he's not going to save me because I am Tarzana. No, he's not going to save me because I can take it. Big woman, she can take it. No, he's going to save me by his grace because his son died on Calvary. Because my trust in that cross uh, has laid a foundation under my feet. My trust in that blood uh, has washed me whiter than snow. My trust in that glorious moment uh, of it is finished uh, has set me free to the glory of God.